following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Should you kick racists and people who are sexist, misogynists, should you kick these people off the internet? And Or, you know, are they just going to go somewhere else? And, and is, there, is there power knowing that they're there? And that was kind of like the philosophy that people talk about. Um, but a lot of the people that are getting kicked off, um, you know, neo-Nazis, trolls, all sorts of folks, a lot of those people are going on these like alternative tech platforms. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Hey, everybody. Today, we're changing up a little bit. This is a special media edition of the Forbes interview. We have Lori Siegel, who is CNN's editor-at-large in technology. And Lori is very awesome because besides covering tech, she takes another step and she's investigating the dark side of tech and the cultural effect of tech. Um, so Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, we at, we're at these tech conferences and usually by like day four, <laughs> you and I are so sick of the entrepreneurs, we end up just like going in a corner together and Great. talking about the crazy world of startups and tech. We're so. totally like the curmudgeonly journalists that like lose the ability to speak to people after four days, yeah. but we love it and we come back. Yeah, we become, <laughs> we're like the, the old guys on the Muppets that just right. sit on the balcony and just, yeah, that's, so now we're bringing the balcony to all the listeners, so Yay. welcome to the show. So uh, let's talk, tell me about the, the last pr- the project you're working on right now, because you are at CNN, but you do a lot of, um, you know, deep dive, yeah. streaming things, like um, documentaries, if you will. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what you got. I do a lot of kind of investigative work. So I just had a show come out called Mostly Human, um, and that explores uh, kind of the cultural impact of yeah. technology. But it's also it's kind just of like, like the real life. People who watch Dark Mirror, it's kind of like the real yeah, Dark Mirror. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Black Mirror, right? Black Mirror, sorry, the um, real Westworld, right? Yeah. So it's all about like taking things we're not allowed to talk about and like talking about them. Um, so it's like you we look at love, death, war, addiction. It's really light, yeah. guys, through the lens of technology. But it has stuff like. Um, a woman bringing her friend who died back to life in a way through an AI chatbot. Yeah. Um, and then we turned me into a chatbot using my text messages and whatnot. And that was horrifying. So, so you're immortal now. Lori is yeah. will live forever in our um, Actually, like my bot had to be taken offline because it, it was misbehaving. But but actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. It was one of the most horrifying experiences. Um, but we do kind of like... What was, we, your, what was your bot doing? Well... Oh my God! I had to like I don't even know if I can say it. So we ended up as part of this episode um, trying to explore like artificial intelligence and humanity. Mm-hmm. And so as part of it, they're like, if you give your text messages for the last five years with your best friends to this woman, she's going to create a digital version of you, like a chatbot. And and I'm like, well, this is a really powerful way to look at the power of artificial intelligence in such a human way. And like, and I bet it would be cool to have a kind of a digital type version yeah. of me. Um, so I, I don't know what I was drinking at the time to think that I should give her my text <laughs> messages with my closest friends for the last five years, but I did that. And then she combined like my social media and all this stuff and she created Lori Bot. Um, and when I say it was one of the most violating experiences of my life, like my bot was casually texting like like some of my most private issues to people, anyone who asked. Um, my bot was like a little bit high maintenance. My bot texted like me. My bot was a little passive aggressive. My bot was me on all of my worst days and like not with any of the context. I think that makes me a good oh my God. person. So if you become like a megalomaniac, that's yeah. like, it's, it's like if I give you a billion right. dollars, you'll become that bot. I mean, it was awful. And then also my bot, it, it would, it could be perceived as you, which is crazy. So like it took, if it got it wrong, which it did get it wrong sometimes, this is an extreme example. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying it, but, no. um, at one point, I had had a conversation with a friend about Burning Man, and we'd made like a joke. This was years ago. Um, it's kind of hard not to joke about Burning Man. So. Right? Like you kind of have to, yeah. right? Well, there was a joke about mushrooms or something. And my bot, when asked the meaning of life, responded, doing mushrooms and dating a lot. Like, 
which is horrifying. <laughs> By the way, I didn't say that, but it could be perceived Your as Your Bob became like a 24-year-old Silicon Valley engineer. I'm not even kidding. The production assistant who was working on the show afterwards, after we did the scene, she was like, hey, like, don't take this the wrong way, but um, do you want to hang out at some <laughs> point? I was like, no. that was I did not say that, but it could be perceived as me. So that's just kind of like a funny self-deprecating way of saying like – the technology is there and it's like coming down the pipeline and there are all these weird ethical issues. And so part of Mostly Human is trying to like explore those ethical issues yeah. through a human kind of funny, interesting, oftentimes dark kind of way. And excuse us for a moment to thank our sponsors, LifeLock and Amica. More about those sponsors later in the show. Yeah, you did a great episode uh, focusing on you know mental illness. Yeah. And founders, and that's something you know, I used to work on the Forbes 400 a lot, and yeah. people don't talk about this, but a lot of these billionaires, um, you ask like, you know, what was your secret, and they say it's actually it's not a positive thing; it's it's certain mental issues that right. make them either, you know, they either push so hard, they work so yeah. hard, or they're almost kind of they gamble so much that it yeah. just worked. So it's very interesting that kind of the there's a positive side, but there's also a really negative side to some of these things. I've always been a believer that we have to talk about the other stuff. And I think that people who are capable of doing incredible, creative, amazing things and have that lightness to them also oftentimes have that darkness. And yeah. that was kind of the gist of why I wanted to look into it. Because I also, I mean, we talk to founders all the time talking to people off the record, you know, you do begin to get a sense of like, well, mental health is really a big thing. Um, people suffer from depression, bipolar disorder. If you yep. dig into it, some of the same traits that uh, make it, uh, that entrepreneurs are known for, like uh, the ability to take risks, like all of these, a lot of these traits are associated with mental health uh, issues and no one talks about it. And, and there's such a stigma around it. And, and I think, um, you know, I always, I always say this sounds like kind of like a soapbox. I, I don't mean it to, but to make someone feel less alone is, is our job. And, yeah. and I, and I think a lot of people were going through something. Um, and so it was, but it was interesting. Everybody was, um, you know, everybody was afraid to talk yeah. at first. They said, I'm not going to get investor money. I'm not going to, you know, this is going to impact my business. But it was good to get some people to come out and talk about mm -hmm. it openly. And I, I still get emails every week from people saying, um, I've suffered from this and, and whatnot. So it's nice to know that we could at least, like, give that a platform and, like, put it out there a bit. Yeah, and, kind of, and you're talking about your latest series. And This has been a crazy – 2017 has been a crazy <laughs> year in America and probably the whole world. And a lot of this, a lot of this political intrigue – um, has been technology based. Uh, yeah. Everything from alleged Russian tampering and tampering yeah. in social media mm -hmm. to you know radicalizing different groups right. in these terrible mass shootings. Like, what do they do? They go to their Facebook, they go to their Twitter, yeah. and see what they were doing. Um, and even this crazy ISIS stuff. They the first yeah. thing they do is they look on their computers. So social media, which was first, you know, you know, it was kind of warm, cuddly Facebook, Twitter, you know. Very innocent eight years ago, and now it's a dark side. It's kind of like you know, you can use a telephone to you know call your grandma, or you can stalk someone, or right. you know, it's like it can be. These are great tools, yeah. but tools have two sides. So, what's the latest thing you've been been reporting? Yeah, on? I've always looked at that thing, this idea that like technology is neutral and it can be used um, for good or, or bad. And I think in the last year, we've like seen some pretty bad things. Yeah. I, I mean, even you know, the weaponization of of social networks, the idea that um, you know that the Russians were able to actually influence all of us via Facebook and Twitter. I mean, that's a really big deal. Yep. And also, and trying to understand if our tech leaders have a grasp on that yet or if they know the extent of the problem. Um, the latest series I did, it, it was kind of like an extension of Mostly Human, and it's called Divided We Code. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think some of these issues, we they're not black and white, and we have to dig into them in a larger way. So um, right now, there's you know this, this interesting bit of like – tech founders have increasingly this uncomfortable role of being gatekeepers of information, yeah. right? So um, they're trying to figure out content. So for so long, I mean... And they also collect so much data. Right, Which right. They, they love and that's the value, but also it can be used in right. a very negative way. And for as long as you've been covering tech, it's like kind of like we're just the pipes. We're not responsible for the content going through us. Um, that's changing, I think. Um, and so I wanted to look at like, okay, now that that's changing... Do tech leaders realize that's changing? Yep. And also, what are their responsibilities and what are the conversations happening behind closed doors about content? So, um, you know, it was actually really interesting. We interviewed Matthew Prince, who's the CEO of Cloudflare. Yeah, yeah. We've, met, we've met him before at a web summit. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and he recently made the decision to kick off um, – 
the daily stormer for from the site, yeah. and that's like a neo Nazi site. Yeah, um, and it's tough because Cloudflare is supposed to be like neutral. Like we totally. just provide like it's 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 almost a First Amendment kind of thing, but we provide this incredible you know, a platform for anyone to use the web. Yeah. And we're not the judges, but in this case, he put his foot down. Right. And that's the thing. People might not know Cloudflare, but it essentially helps power the back end of the internet and make sure sites can stay up and and they're protected um, from attacks. And so he said he made this decision. And for us, it's like kind of, would be like, oh, okay, you decided to kick off neo-Nazis from your platform. I kind of get it. Yeah, it's hard to be controversial. Yeah, like that's not like the worst, you know? I mean, my name's Lori Siegel. Like I'm I'm a Jew. Like I I understand this Um, totally. But, you know, what was interesting is that is such a nuanced move because, and this is where it gets into all these larger questions that we had to be talking about. Because he he said, and he wrote an email. I, you probably saw this. He wrote an email to his staff, being like, "I woke up today and I decided I could kick off someone from the internet. Yeah. Someone shouldn't be allowed on the internet. No one should have that power." But the reality is that people do have that power now. We have to have these conversations around it. And what he said in the in divided we code, which was so interesting was after he made that decision, he got something like 3,500 requests. It opened the floodgates. Everyone wanted, you know, wanted him to, to censor, right? Yeah. And then even beyond that, he's like, these decisions are being made behind closed doors as to who stays and who goes, and a lot of them are complicated. He's like, but they're arbitrary decisions. And he's like, and he, and he said when tech companies say sometimes, you know, we're kicking them off because of X, Y, and Z, he's like, it's BS. Yeah. And he's like, and we need to own the fact that it's BS, and we need to have a conversation about transparency and editorial guidelines. And I thought that was a really interesting yeah, and very, candid. Yeah, very self-aware, especially for some of these, these CEOs. <laughs> right? And in ter- it's interesting because, you know, Twitter has controversy because people yeah. – sometimes look like they're arbitrarily thrown off and they yeah. say, oh, you violated our terms of service, which is just a, you know, it's, it's the squishiest thing you yeah. can say. And by the way, some people, you know, it makes sense, but other, you know, but and these things are, asking, you know, and, right? and the question is Twitter a right or is it privilege? And it's kind of like, it's a privilege, frankly, but yeah. who decides who runs a file or not? And, and increasingly now, and this like politicized environment where everything is so polarized the decisions that are being made behind these closed doors are perceived as political so you kick off this person but would you kick off this person and then this is your terms of service so i think trying to have some clarity over that i think it's really hard um for these tech founders to have that clarity i think um you know we increasingly need to ask for more transparency i'm told that like um that behind closed doors at at Twitter, like uh, Jack Dorsey keeps talking about transparency, transparency. I'm told Uh the same about Facebook. I think these companies are grappling with the fact that for so long, if you said, are you a tech company or are you a media company? They'd say tech, tech, tech. That's just not the reality anymore. And and, and so... They deliver... They're they're everything. They're getting... they're, They're not going away, but it's getting... But it's scarily getting, big. Exactly. And I think now there's a lot of pressure given what's happened. And now that we've seen the extent, and we don't even know if we've seen the extent of like Russia, yeah. the, the meddling of, of the election, even after the election and being able to weaponize these platforms. The question now is, you know, the whole, uh, are they, are these companies becoming monopolies? Will there be uh, regulation? And I think there's increased pressure. So we look at all of that, like in divided we code. And because I, I do think... The, there's nuance in the answers, right? Like we can say, oh, you should kick this person off or you should kick that person off. But that's just not the, – the reality The reality is it's so much more complicated yeah. than that. And we want transparency around these decisions. And also we should probably have like a, a discussion of like, you know, censorship and free speech and the role of these tech leaders. So I, I think this is a in- really important moment. Yeah, it's, things are moving so fast. I was uh, – re- yesterday I did a – a, a talk about podcasting with a, with a great panel of people. Wow, we're we're podcasting about podcast talks. This is so this is, meta. This is so it's meta. amazing. <laughs> and we were talking. I think I know, we were talking about this on stage. Like, is podcasting like journalism? Like, right now, yeah. do we have the protections and the, also the liabilities of if you and I were on, right. you know, doing this on like in a newspaper or if we were yeah. doing this on the, like the radio? Is podcasting different? Like, I don't know. And I, I don't know. I don't, think any, I don't think anyone knows. I don't want it. Nothing should be censored. Nothing should be, um, you know, regulated. But at the same time, like, as more and more people listen to things like podcasts yeah. and on social media, like, we need to be truthful. And, right. And, or how do you check that? And if, if we make a mistake, do we have to make a correction later? That's can, crazy. you know, can you and I, well, probably you, get, <laughs> get, get sued for like slander because you said something on a podcast? Is that the same thing as going on NPR and saying things? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think, I'm not sure. I don't have the answer at all. That's crazy. But but even like let's this, see if we can get sued on this episode. Yeah, let's see. Let me give me some really uh, tee me up to say something pretty inappropriate because you know I'll take the bait. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in this divided we code program, you obviously you were tackling you know the 
you know, the dark side of social media. Um, yeah. What else? What are the sort of things? Um, what are the sort of divisions are we seeing so here? So we also, uh, we looked at alt tech. Should yeah. you kick racists and people who are sexist, misogynist? Should you kick these people off the internet? And it, Or, you know, are they just going to go somewhere else? And, and is there, uh, this idea is like, is there power knowing that they're there? Yeah. And that was kind of like the philosophy that people talk about. Um, but a lot of the people that are getting kicked off um, – you know, neo-Nazis, trolls, all sorts yeah. of folks, a lot of those people are going on these, like, alternative tech platforms. And by the way, like, I don't even know if I, like, want to give it press, And yeah. we, but we have this responsibility and we talk about this in the piece, like, it's so nuanced. Like, we, like do we even show that these people are going to these sites? But yeah, because they are going somewhere. So we explore that. I spent some time in, like, Reddit uh, threads for something called the red pill. Oh boy, yeah. uh, which the, is the dark, the dark subreddits. Yeah, you know, I just you can't spend too long in there without needing to like come up for air. But yeah. um, or take a, like a like a two hour shower. After yeah, this, yeah, right. Like it was. It, it's these interesting forums where where it's actually fascinating. It's it starts with like a guy just looking for like dating advice like (laughs) going to i I don't know as like radicalization does i guess but it it starts with like a guy just kind of looking for a girlfriend or feeling lonely or something um and going online and and googling and ending up in these kind of forums that are crazy not crazy but these forums where you know people begin to talk about you know anti-feminism type rhetoric but that also turns political and goes really extreme and i interviewed a man who was a black man who had just been – he'd been looking for a girlfriend and he went so far down the rabbit hole in these forums that he ended up starting to be racist, he said, against his own race. Um, and and he – you know, and, and so it, it's just such an interesting cultural moment because it's also become political. This is where a lot of – So he of, went on like a like – like as an anti-black th- thread and then started like it's, commiserating? It started – I mean it starts with kind of the anti-feminism stuff but all uh-huh. of these things kind of lead into it. So then it gets political and we look at how gamer the Gamergate movement came and kind of came into these forums and we look at a lot of the – you know some of the alt-right how they've latched onto these forums and the idea of swallowing the red pill uh, you know like red pill, the blue ma- the pill, matrix, matrix. Right? Yeah. right, so for, for people who don't know it's like in, in the movie he gets the, the option to have like the blue pill or the red pill and the red pill is like wake up to the the tough reality of the world blue pills like just kind of like coast or whatever um and so the idea of the red pill online is is you know reject everything we know about society and gender and equality and all that kind of stuff so it's this anti-pc world and it's manifested offline so we look at all of these kind of cultural moments um and then we do a lot on sexual you sexual harassment right because it seems like there's so much material lately you can't really you know as a journalist my phone's i'm I'm sure the same with you like my phone's ringing off the hook with people who have been sexually harassed and we'll be right back after this quick break to say support for the forbes interview comes from amica insurance We're living in the age of the discerning shopper when savvy consumers increasingly favor brands that value authenticity, ethics, and a great shopping experience. Amica is committed to being a company people trust. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes and find out why 95% of Amica customers with combined auto and home policies stay with them. One more time, that's meetamica.com slash Forbes to find out more about Amica Insurance. Yeah, because you've been in you know, tech journalism for almost a decade now. Yeah. You are – and you've seen – like we've seen like there's waves in tech right now. Yeah. And what's – like what have you seen? Because obviously you are um, a, a female reporter mm-hmm. in a tech world that's largely been male. Yeah. It's getting better, but still that's the, that's the fact. Yeah. What, so what's happening with this? Because it's very interesting because all this stuff's come to light and you, know, you have these companies and these people that are trying to – you know the, the old joke of like make the world a better place. Right. But at the same time, like their office is a pretty crappy place for a lot of people. Yeah. I so think, what, what are you seeing? What's, what's coming out? I think people are beginning to talk about it more. Um, you know, I look back to beginning to cover tech in like 2009 and I'll never forget. Um, I was like – I was supposed to meet up with – I don't even know if I can like say this like so crude. But like I was supposed to meet up with like an entrepreneur, just like a source meeting. Yeah. Like you're a journalist. You take source meetings. Yep. Like we go get coffee with people. That's what like we do. Um, and we pick their brains. Um, you know, I didn't realize that had to be like a whole thing. And I remember I got a, a message at like 2 in the morning from a very powerful uh, investor in Silicon Valley. Very, very powerful. And he said, um, have you I – can't, I can't say the F word – uh, blinked so and so the person I was going to to meet like had I had sex with him and I was shocked I've had nothing but a professional wow. relationship 
And it was at so... Two, at two in the morning? At two in the morning. No. And, and, I, and I didn't even know how to respond. I said, I'm sorry, that's so inappropriate. Like, why, you know? And he said, it's provocative that you don't talk about your personal life. Like, I could end you. And, and it was just like the grossest, hmm. the grossest stuff, right? Like... And I remember just being so uncomfortable and like kind of upset over it. And I, and I thought like, oh, I could like publish this stuff. That'd be, you know, but then yeah. no one in the, no one would talk to me. Like none of these, the people in the close behind closed doors, he deals with everyone's money would talk to me. Um, and, but, but the way he just kept going and he kept, he went more and more and he was so inappropriate. Um, and I felt, and, and so this is where I feel for, for women. Like I felt ashamed. I don't even know why I felt weird about it. Um, and I was like, did I do something? No, mm. of course I didn't do anything. And like my older self is like, no. Just because you had coffee with a source? Yeah, well, he, he knew I was having coffee with a source and, and, and he just made, and just, he just said inappropriate things mm. about it, you know, but I, I didn't even know. And, and I remember being so like, just taken back by it. And then you begin to see these other, these subtle moments. I remember being um, at DLD, like this, this tech conference and, and having mm. a big tech founder. That's in, is that in, Yeah. And I remember having this, this tech founder say, um, was talk. he was talking about another female reporter and he was like, yeah, like, you know, she's pretty provocative. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I've known her. She's so smart. Like she's not yeah. whatever. And he's like, well, she stays at the parties late. I'm like, so, but you guys all talk at the party. Like, so yeah, we're well, not allowed. Everyone's, everyone's at the parties. Yeah. This yeah, is, that's yeah. how we all know each other. Yeah. Like, you know, but, but it, it was a different standard and you begin to just put together these pieces of like subtle, um, subtle sexism, mm. uh, and not so subtle sexism. And I think as a woman, sometimes you just like, you just put it behind, you know, you're kind of like, all right, heads down, move forward. Like, I don't want to, whatever, like, this is the way of it. But I think we're, we're now at this moment where people are saying like, you know, I, I think, you know, this isn't okay. I think at, at some point, like, you know, I think women are, are going to mm-hmm. say like, we're not going to stand for this. And I think that's happening now. Um, but, but I still think it's a really tough one i interview so many women who still don't want to come forward who say the retaliation is is going to be terrible mm-hmm. you know there's so much power and money and it's a hard it's a hard, hard balance because like you don't want it, you don't want to you know stay quiet about it but also like you mentioned like there is undressed retaliation and you don't want to kind of blow up yeah. your career so i guess there's a certain it's a risk measure like it was what's yeah. the risk reward you know it's it's uh, even i was at we were at this event last night both of us were at the same event um yeah. something someone said to me um, like it's still there. It is still there. First of all, somebody, someone made some weird comment on what I was wearing and then continued to make comments on it. And I was kind of like, whatever, you're creepy. I don't care. No, no, no one ever talks about my, like my yeah. sport jacket. I mean like, right? wow, it's a really, that's a really nice sport jacket. Yeah. Really, like it's like, it, that is a really nice sport. I think I'm going to, the, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe I'm going, I'm going to the wrong parties, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. But he was like, he we were talking about, I interviewed a woman who came forward and talked about being sexually assaulted. Um, and you know, she's been, and I think she found power in being able to speak about it. And, and so she's been able to kind of be at the forefront of some of the, trying to make some change. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, like she's really riding that wave. I was like, I'm sorry, she's riding the sexual assault wave. Like that's not a wave. Like as women, we want to ride like, you know, it's not a lucky break. Yeah. It's not like this is like our moment in time is to like talk about how like, you know, someone threatened to end our career at three in the morning. And if, you know, for no reason, you know, or, or like sexual assaulted you i i just you know i was at a i was at um a conference in june where someone said to me um the reason we do well on stage together is because we have sexual chemistry i mean people say the worst things you know that it's not even no matter it it sometimes feels like no matter how much you prep or no matter how much you do no matter what vibe you give off no matter how professional you can be you're not really immune and i think I, i do think the whole me too movement and people coming out and talking about these things uh, is great. I do worry that there's going to be a backlash, and I worry there's going to be a big backlash um, because I'm already hearing behind closed doors people talk about how investors aren't taking meetings with women mm-hmm. later in the evening or doing dinner meetings. How you know there's grumblings of like, oh, let's not put her in that position. I, I worry that the unspoken part of this is going to be um, a bit of a backlash. I think we have to be really careful in how we continue to move forward and try to find the right policies to make it better. Yeah, because you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. You want everyone. You want to protect everybody, but you yeah. don't want, exactly. You don't want to cut off. Like, if a great source would have like 
oh, have a drink with me, yeah. a male source, have a drink with me at like 9 p.m., like, yeah, I'll take that. But if they don't want to do it with you or you don't want to do it with them for various yeah. reasons, that like you do a – that hurts your job. Yeah. That hurts like your brand. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. interesting how it kind of – it's weird. It's very odd. I and, think – I also think like no one's talking about – like you talk to guys and all – and like I think men are really nervous right now. They're yeah. like – you know, I, some for good reason. Some, I think, like, get it, you know, get it together. It's like, you know, this yeah, is this there's is some obvious age. stuff. But yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think people are a little bit nervous to, you know, to be perceived in a certain way. You go to these tech parties now and, like, a VC will be like, oh, I don't know if I can hug you, you know, or, like, to say hi. Yeah. Um, so I think there's – it's a really interesting moment right now for for sexual harassment in every industry, whether it's tech or media. I know tech, right? Yeah. That's what I know best. I think that sometimes when you have – Multi-million dollar fa- like companies, young founders, like no HR structure, lack of diversity. I mean, it's just like a perfect formula for sexism and sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, we've got to do better there. I don't. I don't actually have the solution. But yeah, is there like I'm trying. To, like, obviously, there's no no easy solution because that would have been solved. But yeah, I, don't, I think the fact that this is top of mind is yeah is really important and it's not going away. And or just like the powerful people are afraid. Yeah, if you're if you're a powerful man in Silicon Valley and you have behaved really poorly, um, you're probably freaking out a little bit because names are going around. I'm in all the, the female groups on like Facebook and whatnot. Yeah. Like, you know, all the names are circulating now all, as journalists. We're all digging like, you know, and you don't, you don't want it to be like a witch hunt, right? Nope. You really want to find the right stories and the important ones, but the same names are coming yeah, up. People on Twitter have like you know, journalists. We know have, on Twitter have like open you know, requests. Like, Hey, yeah. if you hear anything, let me know. It's, it's, totally. it's kind of like a whole, uh, not, uh, you know, it's, it's people watching for it, and that maybe hopefully would deter some stupid, you know, yeah. gross behavior. I guess. I hope so. I hope so. I'm like a curmudgeonly skeptical journalist, so like I don't know, but I really do hope so. Um, I want to jump to you're in CNN, mm-hmm. and which has gone through so many changes uh-huh. and ups and downs. Um, and just, and just I want to hear as you, know, you cover tech and you've been big on you know different ways of telling your stories yeah. uh streaming and, and web and mobile what's it like what's happening now at cnn how do you kind of balance the you know the big cable yeah sense and when you pitch like it's a big company and you're doing some cutting edge and some you know frankly un, you know could be unpopular or controversial things how yeah. do you um when you go to the, the see but uh, you're like the, you, how do you get your stuff on air it's how do you really get, weird exactly <laughs> was no. that was that was that the question exactly how do they how do you get the green light but no it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a very crazy environment and when you go in to um you know to pitch your idea of like doing covering you know sex and depression and harassment and it's important stuff but some uh, conservative company not that cnn is yeah like how do you get these things greenlit i will say like our vp of digital has like i can go into him with an idea i've been able to go in and be like i think this is something interesting and he's been able to say okay let's make this into a five-part series online and then we work with television to get it on and whatnot but um you're right like some of the stuff i do is a little bit different right it's something that actually maybe would work better on a streaming platform and i think we tried that with mostly human because it was our first Mm-hmm. Uh, it was our, our first streaming show on CNN Go, um, and it did well. I mean, it did really well, and our engagement numbers were really good. So it was really interesting to put it out in that format. Um, but part of being part of like this big machine is figuring out ways to get your stuff on every platform. Yeah. So it's like we had to create a landing page online. I wrote articles to go with everything, and then we also like cut it up into pieces and put it on domestic on CNN International. You know, so I think the sweet spot is when you're able to do like the long form and then be able to like put bits and pieces on television and whatnot. But it's like a it's a whole puzzle, right, of trying to get the right pieces together. Um, but it's been cool to experiment with with formats. I, I do think streaming is in many ways the future. And, and so being able to kind of be first out of the gate, which is it can be good and bad, yeah. right? Um, you're kind of like the beta test. But that was, a, that was cool. I mean, it was the first show that we just did streaming first. Um, and and it, we had a really good payoff. Um, you know, would it do as well if it's airing at certain times of the day for yeah. the CNN audience? It's different audiences for all different platforms. And, and it's still funny. It's like every time a PR person pitches me and is like oh like when is this going to air on tv i'm like i don't know in a certain climate it's like really hard to get like a startup story yeah. on tv and we've all done it like you know we've been waiting in the green well i've done some tv and then suddenly like something breaks oh yeah or like trump tweets or anything and you're getting knocked yeah totally totally um no, no no that that happens quite a bit but it's like um you know i always say to people pitching i'm like look if we put it on digital it's gonna get so many eyeballs too so yeah. like just remember that i, I think it's 
it's crazy because I've been at CNN I had like nine years, wow. so I'm like Microsoft of CNN essentially. Like I've been around a while, and um, yeah, I've been in Forbes. You and I are like, in, right? We're like ninety in journalism years. I know we're company. so old yes. in journalism oh years, God. but but even like in startup years, because think about it when we when we yeah. started covering startups and we've seen each other at all of these events throughout. Like the startup was like Uber and Instagram, and these companies aren't startups yeah. anymore, you know. And I've watched well, even before that. I mean, Facebook was. Brand new. Yeah. And it's like, oh, look at these college kids. And now it's like, oh, right. like, I need you. I need people to read my stories through Facebook. Like it's right. gone from like, oh, oh like interesting exactly. social networks. Oh, this is a, it's a, even Google, I, everything's gotten so big. It's crazy. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think I always joke that like I covered the disruption of tech and then tech disrupted us yeah. at CNN. Um, you know, none of us were immune to the change that was coming. Um, and so, uh, it's been crazy to see how we work digitally, how, you know, how all the formats have changed, the focus and emphasis on digital yeah. and that format. Like, even the freedom for me to be able to do a show like Mostly Human in a different format that wouldn't have probably uh, been CNN uh, domestic first, you yeah. know. Uh, that's all changed, but tech changed everything, just everything. And I think it's still a learning uh, – it's definitely still a learning curve. I, and I think we've done a decent job of getting in front of it, but it's you're kind of learning something about it. It's so funny. We're like, well, I need my stories to get on Facebook, yeah. right? Um, it's crazy. You do become too reliant on these different formats. And, and as we're looking to do Mostly Human Season 2, we're talking oh, like, you know, we're looking at different streaming. There, there's all sorts of yeah. stuff you think about. Even so. like three years ago, we had, you know, there's still a Forbes.com, you know, homepage. Yeah. And we had someone that their job was a homepage editor. And you'd put, you know, the you, you curated like it was the front page. Of, you know, it's a front page. So you, yeah. the best stories was going viral. Now it's, it's a just, no one really, we don't have a front page editor anymore because right. the idea is just to put it on the internet. Yep. And then use our name brand, use our channels, and use right. the social stuff to get discovered. It doesn't. No one's going. It's, it's not a front door anymore. Like yeah. I think the New York Times and the Journal and might still have that, but all, everyone else is kind of like they find you, but they don't find you through the front door. They find you through right. like the windows and the back door and the the, old, the, so sh- the, shed, the shed in the back kind of thing. I mean, like I'm. I, I, it's so true. I, even like we have like all these teams devoted to social now. Like I just remember when yep. I put like CNN money on Instagram, and I was like, that'd be cool to put CNN money on. Instagram. I don't think they would ever give me control of CNN Money's Instagram yeah. now. Like that would never, ever in a million years. No, happen. it's a huge. I remember I was talking to someone um, at CNN, and they were telling me how they, when they they film now, they have like a special rig that holds. <laughs> it's not just a TV camera. It's a TV camera, and then it holds yeah. a horizontal iPhone for uh, you know YouTube. It holds a vertical iPhone for yeah. Snap. Like it's just there's all different ways to capture because you know if you can do an interview you might as well do an interview that you can put on seven formats instead yeah. of just one which is which it's is wild fast. I mean it's fascinating it's such an interesting it is really interesting to see all this stuff and how like I remember years ago doing like a New Year's segment and being like I think Snapchat's gonna be big next yeah. <laughs> year and then I'm like oh my god if only like if only I had been an investor and invested in all these things that I thought were gonna be big as opposed to cover them like we wouldn't be sitting here we'd be like on an island somewhere hanging out oh yeah if I had written checks instead of written stories on half <laughs> these companies we'd be do you ever uh, – let me ask you this, uh, and then you can turn around on me, but do you ever struggle with that? Like sometimes it's like we cover these people from the beginning, right? And are you ever like, I wish I was a part of it or covering it? Well, it's, well, it's kind of funny. Well, you are a proud all-star of the Forbes Under 30 franchise. Uh-huh. And we kind of – every year we go, we've gone back and looked at some of these companies that we've put on mm-hmm. – um, and it's just it's fascinating, like in terms of if you know if we had put angel money in some of these things, and right. these are there's many many billion dollar companies. Yeah. Um, but then again, like the only reason why I was in the room with them in the first place was yeah. um, because I because Forbes got me in the door and they wanted you know press. Yeah. So it's not like I had the opportunity to do anything. But yeah, it's incredible. Like when you look at some of these companies we've identified, yeah. Um, and just even the cool thing with the under thirty, as you know, is you know it's not just you know technology and business, but we've backed we've put you know people people like you on in media and yeah. um, philanthropy and chefs and politicians that have mm-hmm. gone to really big things like looking back like we had uh you know we had Ronan Farrell a couple years ago and yeah. like now now it's it's incredible like just to identify talent yeah um, people doing big things yes people love the big valuations but the cool thing under 30 is it jumps to other things whether it's fashion or food or music and we'll be right back after this quick break 
Are you doing a lot of holiday shopping from your mobile device? You're not alone. Retailers expect 54% of holiday shoppers to visit their sites from mobile devices. Scammers see this as an opportunity to steal your credit card information and other personal data by distributing phony retail apps. Be cautious and only download apps from reputable app stores and read the reviews for any complaints about malware. One in four people have experienced identity theft. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. If you have a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can uncover threats that you might miss. Join now and get 10% off with promo code FORBES. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com and use promo code FORBES. That's FORBES to save 10% now. Hi, this is Ben Dominich, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our Spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our Spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. I think I, I totally geek over uh, geek out over that, too, this idea of, being able to identify something before it happens. Yeah. You know, I struggle with how to cover tech now sometimes because it's so big. It was like I was the girl that liked the band before the band got cool, and yeah. it's really cool now. We're um, like the tech hipsters. Yeah, I know. That's why we're like the curmudgeonly like yeah. puppets in the background, but it's okay. But but I do think there's something very special about um, identifying a problem or seeing somebody before the rest of the world sees them and giving them a voice yeah. or saying like, you know, uh, giving them a platform. I think that that's something that I'm, I just, I'm, I know I'm going to be a journalist the rest of my life, like whether or not I like it or not. I'm just like such a masochist. I love what I do, yeah, you're, but you're, like, you're, you're, it's the rush. You're, yeah. You're on the, on yeah. The- I, lo- I love it. Like, I, I mean, I remember we did, um, a piece on revenge porn, like this horrific type of cyber harassment against women. Thank you for the cameo, by the way. I really yes. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so terrible. And I remember like, you know, after we did it, um, some of the laws got no one knew what revenge porn was it was like happening quite a bit um it was awful and and i remember some of the laws changed afterwards and i was like that's why that's why we do what we do you know like that's that's it's you know we were able and this woman who like for our listeners they might not know what is what is okay (laughs) yeah i guess i should just do people not know what revenge okay so okay this is the new revenge porn show yeah i know i knew i was gonna take it dark i'm sorry i knew i was gonna take it to like revenge porn um it's a type of cyber harassment so like Let's say you're in a relationship um, and you sent photos to one another or maybe you didn't send photos. Maybe you're not in a relationship, whatever. Um, it generally happens against women um, and generally like someone will post nude photos mm-hmm. of you again, without your consent. Um, and there are all these sites devoted to revenge porn. So where there's identifiable information. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if you had no control over your Google search, right? So imagine if every time we met, I you wondered if I'd seen you naked. Mm-hmm. Like, how crazy is that? It, it does something to your mind. So we did a whole exploration into, like, revenge porn, and it was all the – there were all these sites devoted to it, and no one was really doing anything about it. Um, and then the craziest part, like – and I think this was, like, the craziest part, was in order to protect yourself, like, if this happened to you, you needed to get the copyright of your photo to get it taken down. And so in order to get the copyright, you had to, you had to like, send your photo, your naked photo, to, like, the, some, like – dudes at the like at the copyright office in Washington. So like in order to protect yourself against revenge porn, you had to send a naked photo of yourself to some people in Washington. I mean every It's like you know, spreading the porn around. Right, but it, you know, it's just this idea that sometimes technology moves so fast. Yeah. Um and the laws don't play catch up. So I remember doing that and and feeling good about the fact that like maybe we can at least talk about this and and make some kind of difference there. But I, I like doing those types of stories, yeah. you know. Talking about change, how has CNN changed since the the run-up to the election to now um you know i just think it's kind of cool that journalism is cool again there was this moment covering tech right and then like it was like who needs like who needs media like we can tweet 
like actually you need media yeah. and like, like look every, yeah everyone's like, a journalist we can post this and, yeah, yeah like yeah. it's it's like and i think that narrative has changed and yeah. i think people feel that inside cnn too i think it's you know i feel that it's and it sounds so lame to say this but like it's never been more important to be a journalist but i do think um, I do think the public perception of, of journalism uh, matters. Facts matter. All that you saw CNN's campaign with like the Apple. Yep. Um, you know, I think at least like trying to put out there like that that this is important. Um, I think that's been a that's been a good change in general um, within the company. Um, I think everyone honestly is like is used to the new normal, which is just like, and I'm sure the same at Forbes. Like the new normal is like you look away from your phone for a second, yeah. and like, and a massive news story has broken 140 characters when Donald Trump tweets. Like, you know, so there's not really a slowdown, but I think like now the whole every we've they've hired so many people. There's like more of like a process, and I, I think people are like able to keep up uh i, I think it was and you kind of you gotta kind of do it because if you don't it's just it's wild like it's fine yeah someone will t- it goes over the top and then you have yeah. to have you know if the president tweets or someone in the administration right now because everything's right. so politicized yeah and then you have to call in five experts to talk about that one thing and it just right. you if you miss it no one you it's, yeah it's, it's very odd and i feel like i don't know sometimes we have we have cnn on the office and mm-hmm. sometimes i have to just get up and turn the TV off. And nothing against <laughs> you, but I don't know if it's just this year, but just between the political ugliness, between yeah. the national disasters, these terrible, it's just, it's just the news is like, there's no, there's yeah. no, there's no more, there's like, no escape. In, yeah. I, I also think, um, one thing I'm thinking a lot about is like, how do we disconnect? Right. Because I think about what made me good as a journalist sometimes. And I've always asked the person at the coffee shop what their name was. And mm. I've always like, f- heard stories about like if I'm taking an Uber I've always asked you know those questions I now look at my phone as like this little black box of like attention grabbing whatever and like I think that I haven't been able to you know I think I worry that we're all becoming a little less empathetic and that this attention economy is not good and then you add the the nature of the news and it's so frenetic and we can get it all the time anywhere with every push notification and we get addicted and we get addicted like I find myself we're sitting I'm sure you do it too I'm sure everyone out there does like I was just I was on like I'll be sitting at my desk for two hours you know reading on the internet and just write and then I'll go to the elevator and I pull my phone out and check my email and I was just on email like no joke like 45 seconds ago we're checking Twitter like it's it's and even but, just like you're like if I'm sitting on you know watching TV with my wife or something and we someone gets up we pause Netflix or whatever like both of us pull out our phones because we have like right. oh my god one minute of like of downtime like but I, just, I also you know. think like I also think this is why we also have to call out our tech leaders a little maybe this is gonna be like a controversial thing to say but you know those the reason why we're picking up and reaching for our phone those are product decisions that go into us being obsessed with our phones like I was at for part of mostly human I went to like um. It was almost like a, a weird like meetup for engineers and whatnot who wanted to like have like mindfulness or whatnot. But it was okay. like a total like seemed like behind the scenes. It almost felt like people were like repenting for their sins. And I spoke to an engineer who was like he was like a growth engineer, and he was like, you know, Lori, like we used to sit around a table and high five when we created like an algorithm to get you picking up your phone more than like you would pick up a cigarette. And he's like, we realized that was probably wrong. I'm like, wait, wait, so what'd you do? He's like, oh, like, you know, no, I'm at a different company. I'm like, wait, but but yeah. the stuff you put out there is still there. So, like, even think about. What is it? Just like, just so think l- about, little buzzes and pings. Yeah, and, just, yeah. And, and think about, like, even Facebook, like, when, when you have a notification and there's that thing at the top that says three. And so you have, yeah, you're like, red, oh, yeah. you're always wanting, wanting the. You know, the idea is to make product decisions that get you picking up your phone, especially, you know, depending on what kind of app there is, you know. And, and there's not really ethics baked, baked into, you know, what exactly are we doing? We are kind of the beta test. Um, I think it'll be – now there's more of a conversation about mindfulness and, and these product decisions that go into it. But I do think we're all going to have to re-explore our relationship with our smartphone. I, I yeah. genuinely think you could – there'll probably be some science and data to come out about, you know, whether it's depression or unhappiness, whatnot, based on um, living in our screens. And I think we do live in our screens yeah. now. Me probably more than other people. I, and I'm only maybe saying this because I have a problem with it. But, I, you know, I worry that we're not all kind of looking at each other. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to – not look at your phone right now? No, yeah, exactly. Wait, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my Instagram. What, what was that, Lori? Right, what did you say? Right. Um, no, out in the wild, I'm really trying to, you know, take like, take phone breaks yeah. and enjoy, like, you know. 
Well, it's interesting. You go to you'll be like in a great restaurant or bar in you know New York City or even Portugal. And people are on their phones. Like yeah. you're in this great bar. You're in this great or this right. great park or you're. Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, what's interesting is like the trendsetters of Silicon Valley, the people who know what's next. Like they've like started doing mindfulness retreats, and like I couldn't get in touch with like a big founder recently, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, sorry, I went, I went off the grid for you know for forty eight hours. I'm starting to do that." I'm like. So basically, you created technology that addicted us, and now you've decided that it's it's a big moment for you to you know go off the grid. There's there's some irony there, but I do think that we're going to see, especially with the news cycle, especially with everything happening that feels so just like frenzied. I think we're going to all have to find ways to disconnect. Yeah. Um, let me know when you find it because I haven't, um, but I, I think it's important. Yes, I find little. I was. I, I just had uh, John Oranger, the CEO of Shutterstock, on, on the show. You know, John? Uh, I don't. I maybe I think I met him, met him once. Yeah, really good dude, and he was telling me that like his new rule is, you know, he's the CEO of a publicly traded company and mm-hmm. he has like, thousands of employees, but he's like, I don't bring my phone to bed with me. Yeah. He's like, I just leave it in another room. And that's like his way of disconnecting. Yeah. Um, me, I put my phone in airplane mode. So like no buzzing yeah. and that kind of stuff. And in the mornings, I try to do like 20, 30 minutes without electronics wow. or definitely without news. Like I'll pick up like a a paper magazine or like a book or something. It's just wow. you get thrown. Like, I feel like it. you turn the television and you get, get thrown into the latest whatever controversy or bad yeah. news. And like it ruins my – you get thrown into a tangent. So that's it's my hard. new thing. It's, I think and, it's hard. By the way, I'm not – I don't do any yeah, of those yeah. things. I'm on my phone all the time and I work in a newsroom. So Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, like, not, that's a problem because we have to be up on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. But but I do think we're probably better reporters too if we were able to have a little perspective and yeah. look at people, you know? I'm also trying not to check email on the weekends. That's my new thing. Oh, God, man. I know, that's just I know. Sounds, that sounds so stressful, but great. Yeah, but so much <laughs> is just like people like, I don't know, it's weird. Weird PR pitches at like Saturday night. I'm like, who's, who's, right. why are you writing this and who's going to act on this? And it's not like it's right. breaking news. It's like, <laughs> ugh, I don't even know. What um, is kind of your, do you have any daily habits in terms of consuming news? Like there's so much out there on so many platforms. Yeah. What is like, do you have like, what is your, your media diet? I mean, I, I honestly I'm like. I'm guessing it's all you can eat buffet like my, like me. It's it just everything. Yeah. I look at everything. It's I a Las think. Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally like I, I'm in a casino yeah. and like <laughs> there are all the slot machines and I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll take lights, it, I'll yeah. take it, I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you know everything. Like I I also am on every internal email at CNN, so I get those alerts. New York Times, BuzzFeed. Yeah. I often and I I increasingly and this is where I worry too. I increasingly get so much of my news from Facebook and what my friends are sharing, and which plays into this whole like, are we increasingly living? in our own little filter yep. bubbles, which, yes, that's the answer, you know. Um, so I get a lot of news from that I- as well. Um, I-, I would say, yeah, I'm, I don't have, like, a pattern as much as, like, I look at all sorts of random stories and whatnot. So what is yours? Same as you. Like, I, tr- <laughs> I try to – I'm on the subway a lot, so yeah. I'll, I'll either – I'm trying to do some, like, newsletters, but I'll definitely, like – Re, like I'll get the mobile app. I'll open up on my phone. I'll go through the Times and the Journal just to kind of get like so you you just know what's going on. And then yeah. it's like yeah, it's like nonstop. Um, yeah. You know, social media feeds or Twitter. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, I went and actually bought like a physical newspaper. There's something. It was so, so nice. I will say there's something so special. Not to be like uh, the anti-tech tech reporter. Um, there's something so special about just sitting like with the times on like the su- on Sunday and having coffee and like a physical copy of it. Like yep. I do, I increasingly in this like digitized world have a craving for like physical, you know, just just for like an actual book or you know a paper or something. I I, I feel like a little nostalgia or like actually like photos that aren't just on my phone yeah. but that you can like print out. Like they become more precious. Like when you get yeah. like a, it's like when you get a letter in the mail and it's, it's like, like a handwritten. Yeah. You know, I, I think increasingly like maybe we'll go back that way. I don't think we'll go back that way, but I think maybe there's like a craving for that a little bit. Yeah. I think um, what I've, I was grappling with this before, like, why do I love reading a newspaper magazine? I, for me, it's that, you know, it's, you mentioned like the attention grabbing thing. Yeah. CNN does it, Forbes does it, everyone does it. Like you never, there's, they, there's always, they always throw you a new story. Yeah. So like when you read a magazine or read a newspaper, you're like, okay, I finished that story. I finished the entire, that section. I'm done. Right. Opposed to getting thrown like new stories over and over and over again, yeah. or like you're you're yeah. clinking the links and you're reading more things. Like you feel like it's you're never doing something to your brain. No, right? it's like it's like you feel like you're always inadequate. Or there's always more yeah. to know. There's a beauty thing of just like 
closing the book or yeah. folding. Okay, that's done. But what if like our attention spans get so small that we can't even like finish the you know, finish the book. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to go back. We'll and be fight okay. That. We're yeah. gonna be okay. I I when we look at utopian versus dystopian world and like is tech making us better or worse, I think at the end of the day even despite it all, I'm, I'm an optimist. Yeah, and you know what? You can't stop it. So yeah, you just got to kind of regulate, ride a different, ride a different wave, not the yeah. sexual harassment wave, right. the tech wave, and you know, <laughs> shape maybe shape where it's going. Not yeah. you can't fight it because otherwise. And I, yeah. I think we also have this responsibility to hope that our tech leaders continue to build a world that we want our kids to live in. Um, and I think they have a lot of responsibility now. And I hope I, I think they're grappling with that. Like, we've seen a lot of these people grow up, right? Like, yeah. I know, I, it's kind of crazy that these are the people that are sometimes, like, coding the future. And I, I think there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. And I think as people grow up a little bit, they understand that. And, you know, there's more pressure, too. So. Cool. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Yay. Any thank other you. crazy stuff I want to talk about? I think that's good. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks. Thank you. That was Lori Siegel, the editor-at-large for CNN covering tech the good and the bad. Did I get myself in trouble? We'll, we'll find out later. Okay. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, Sessions with Randy Jackson, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.